Today's scripture reading is Ephesians 2, 11, 13, which you can find in your bulletin. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning to all of you. Hope you've had a great, uh, hope you've had a great week. So this, uh, this day that we get back to our Ephesians series, we are going through Ephesians 2, beginning at verse 11. I'm going to cover 12 and 13 as well. And then next week, uh, Joe will continue with the rest of this section. And we have been looking forward for many, many months to preaching on this passage of Scripture because of its relevance to our congregation and to our culture. This is a passage of scripture about alienation and about reconciliation. And I want to start off by talking about why this passage is so relevant to our church and uh, to our culture at this time. I want to give you several, several reasons why I believe this passage is timely. Number one, our long-standing vision of loving others as Christ have loved us. I like during the confession time today, we looked at John 13, 34 and 35. We believe that God has called us to love others as Christ loves us. Now what that means is that we want to be a culture as a church that welcomes every age group, every socioeconomic class, and every ethnic and cultural group that comes into our church. We welcome all cultures into our church. So this passage about reconciliation is so relevant to that vision, especially at this time as we welcome all ethnicities and all cultures into our church. We want to love others and accept others as Christ has loved, has loved us. The second reason for this passage, why I think it's so potent and so important, is the conversation about race in our country, especially in the past several months. It's been a conversation that's been going on for actually many, many years, but especially this summer has resulted in conversations about race, and in many cases, a lot of confusion, a lot of additional division in our country about that topic. So it's important that we speak to that topic from the standpoint of Scripture and the standpoint of the Gospel. A third reason why I believe this passage about reconciliation is relevant to us is the emotion and division that we still experience all around us due to our recent election. A lot of hatred, a lot of division, a lot of uh, name calling, all of that. That's why this passage is relevant to us. 
And then there's one more reason. Apart from all of those external factors all around us, another reason for this passage being so powerful for us is the root of division in our hearts, and the root of that is our own self-righteousness and pride and partiality. Bible talks a lot about those things, but the gospel is the, is the ultimate remedy for those things that are deeply rooted in our hearts. Now, looking back over the, this whole uh, this season when we've, we've had uh, layers of stress producing division in our, in our culture, the first layer being COVID, the second layer being racial tension, the third layer being the recent election. While our congregation, this church, and I want to commend you as a church at so many levels, this congregation has been remarkably healthy during this season of testing that is going all, all around us. But while we have been healthy, we are not immune from the onslaught of the division that we experience in our country, in social media, in some of our closest relationships, and in our fractured world. We are not immune to those things. Now, alienation and division, what this passage is about, alienation and division are not just American issues. They are human issues. For example, apartheid in South Africa, that is the partition, the separation between whites and all other colors in that country, government-sanctioned apartheid in South Africa ended less than 30 years ago. There have been deadly tensions just over the last several weeks in France between its tradition of free expression and its Muslim citizens. Division just rears its head all around the world. There are vexing decisions that have been going on for decades between Israelis and Palestinians. And even, though it's not front burner in the news, a recent border war between Armenia and Azerbaijan that goes back decades. We have these divisions all around the world. It is not an American problem, it is a human problem. John Stott said this, divisiveness is a constant characteristic of every community without Christ. So alienation and division also are not just modern issues, they are ancient issues. And this connects us to this passage. Kent Hughes says, a study of history of the ancient world tells us that none of today's social distinctions, none of our racial barriers, our narrow nationalisms are more exclusive or unrelenting than the separation between Jews and Gentiles in biblical times. And that is why this passage, again, is so relevant to us, is so important to us. So Paul, in these verses, is addressing the alienation between Jews and Gentiles and the gospel that unites the two into one. That's what we're going to learn as we go through this text this week and next week. So what is the message of this passage for you and for me? What is the message 
of this passage for Lake Baldwin Church and what is the message of this passage for our country and our world? It is this. The sickness of division is healed by the medicine of the gospel. The sickness of division is healed by the medicine of the gospel. I want you to do a little bit of self-assessment right now, even of your own heart, your own relationships, your own views, your own pride or self-righteousness. The sickness of division is only healed by the gospel. Now, while other medicines are offered out there, and we have had our fill of them, if you just follow your social media, if you just follow, uh, follow the news, while the, there are other medicines that are offered out there, only the gospel gives both the diagnosis and the cure, the diagnosis of the human heart and what is the root of all of these divisions that we need to face up to but also the cure, which is the gospel, which is the blood of Christ that we have been singing about. So I have a two-point outline this morning, very simple two-point outline, the sickness of division and the healing of division. So I want you to take a look at verse 11, back in your notes, if you got a Bible handy or in your bulletin, we're gonna unpack these three verses because remember, the healing is in the gospel. So let's first look at the sickness of division. Paul says in verse 11, therefore remember. Now what he's looking back on in verses one through 10 is the gospel story. Joe covered that over a two-week period. You remember two weeks ago, he talked about the incomparable gospel, the gospel that bridges or that cures our alienation between us and God, the incomparable gospel of grace. And Paul says, therefore, remember. Why are we to remember how far we have come, how far God has brought us in the gospel? Here's the reason. We are ready for reconciliation with others when we remember how far God went to reconcile us. So you think about your divisions and think about how far God went to reconcile you. If you come to grips with that, if you remember that, then you are ready for reconciliation, whether it's within your family, whether it's between races, whether it's between political divisions, whatever it might be. I want you to notice in verses 11 and 12 two things about the sickness of division that Paul saw that he identifies. We're going to look at the x-rays. We're going to look at the diagnosis. So in verse 11 it says, therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Now what is going on in this passage? Well, there's a historical context here. Circumcision was the removal, the medical removal of the foreskin of an eight day old male in Israel. It takes us all the way back to Genesis chapter 17 when God instructed them to do that. The purpose of that was not just medicinal or anything like that, but it set apart and said this child is a part of the covenant that God has made with his people. 
It is mirrored today by baptism. So when we had a baptism today, baptism being broader for males and for females, but we have a baptism, it is an echo of that sign of inclusion and that sign of the covenant. So the Gentiles, though, it says they were called the uncircumcision. So what's going on in this passage, the first sort of symptom of the sickness is the name calling that Paul says here. He says the Gentiles were called the uncircumcision. So this was, this was a, an expression of scorn. It was an expression of derision. You are the circumcision. And then it says those that were called the circumcision. So one mark of the sickness of division is name calling. You know, if we look back over recent history, we look back at history in America, we all cringe at certain types of name calling. For example, the use of the N-word. Back in the 20th century, back in especially the early 20th century and later into the 20th century, that word that causes so much revulsion for us was, was common. I was reading about uh, the story of Jackie Robinson, who was the first African-American baseball player to break the color barrier in the late 1940s. Branch Rickey brought him on the, uh, the Brooklyn Dodgers baseball team, but he had to endure that first season all kinds of scorn and name-calling. That my friends, is a sickness. During World War II, when racial superiority took hold of the hearts of the Nazi regime, during the 1930s, they were called Jews. They were called Juden, which is the German word for Jews. They had to wear a Star of David, a yellow Star of David, name-calling. Name-calling is sick. Even today, we do that. It's an expression of our division. If you voted for Trump, then you support, a, you're, you're either a racist or you support white superiority. That's name-calling. If you voted for Biden, you are a leftist. That is name-calling. And so what name-calling does is it demonizes people who disagrees with us and it dehumanizes them. So that's what's going on. If we had time to talk about the actual experience of division between Jews and Gentiles in the first century, it was not only something that divided the culture, it shook the early church at its foundations. And so Paul had to hear, preach a sermon on reconciliation so that those groups could be brought together. We have in our church, we have Democrats, we have Republicans, we have young and old, we have rich and poor, all kinds of cultures in our church. God wants us to not fall into name calling. It is an indication of the sickness of division. But notice what else is in this passage. Look at verse 12, because it wasn't just alienation between Jew and Gentile. The Gentile plight, as it is with all those apart from Christ, is they were also alienated from God. So it was a deeper, a deeper alienation. So look at this very sad verse in verse 12. Remember 
that you were at that time separated from Christ. So they were Christless. So all the blessings talked about in Ephesians chapter one by being in Christ, they did not have those blessings available to them. They were separated from Christ. Second, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. So the Gentiles were stateless. They were outside the theocracy of the Old Testament of Israel. They were outside of that. Third, they were strangers to the covenants of promise. Again, this morning we had a baptism. That baptism was based upon the covenant of promise. We learn about that beautiful thing and, we, and, and that baptism says that that child is part of us. Matthew is part of this church and included. So when a person is outside the covenant of, of promise, they are not only Christless and stateless, but they are, as William Henriksen says, they were friendless. And then it goes on to say that they were without hope, having no hope at the end of verse 12, and without God in the world. That phrase, without hope and without God in the world, I can hardly think of a sadder passage. It does not just relate to, this, relate to this division between Jew and Gentile, but all of those who are apart from Christ. Several years ago, we got to know one of, the, uh, one of our neighbors. This was a guy who was probably in his upper 50s, very successful. In fact, he had been the chief operating officer of an online, um, online travel service, had made all his money there, was very, very successful. He was also a musician. He traveled with the Tommy Dorsey Orchestra around Europe. And one day we met him and his wife and we invited him to a party and we struck up a friendship with him. He actually took us to, um, to a jazz concert. They took us there. We went to a Tampa Bay Rays baseball game together, and we became cordial friends. And we knew over time that our friend was without Christ. But we had a great relationship with him. He even came to our Christmas Eve service one time, very much appreciated that. But after we had known them for several years, we learned that he and his wife had gotten a divorce. And then a couple years later, living alone in his house down our street, he took his own life. An example of a person who had lost hope, without hope and without God in the world. A very sad state of affairs, this alienation from God and alienation from others. Now, why do, we, why, do, why do we hear such bad news in the Scripture? Why is that? Why do we have to listen to the diagnosis? Because it is the truth. The gospel diagnoses the deepest needs of our heart. Vodi Bakum says this. He says, to understand the magnitude of the reconciliation, we need to understand the magnitude of the division between Jew and Gentile, and between both and God himself. So, that's the diagnosis, the sickness of division. But let's go on, secondly, to the healing of division. And that is found in verse 13. I want you to take a look at Ephesians 2.13. It says, but now in Christ Jesus, and I love this but now, because it is, a, it is a pivot in this passage, the but now. It is the pivot. It's like 
The gospel has come. Christ has come. Christ does not leave us in our lost estate. So he says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You guys, there is the medicine of the gospel in Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 13. What does the gospel do? What has God done according to Paul and according to this passage? First of all, what did God do? It says, you who once were far off have been brought near. What this is referring to in all likelihood is that in the ancient temple in Jerusalem where the Jewish people believed that the presence of God dwelled in the holy of holies, there was, there were, uh, there was the holy place and the holy of holies, and just outside of that, having access to God, were Jewish men. And then there was another area where it was Jewish women. And then outside of that, there was a wall, there was a partition and a sign that said, you cannot come through this wall, or if you do, you will be executed. And there was this wall, and beyond that wall was the court of the Gentiles. The Gentiles were far away from the presence of God. And so when it says in this verse that Gentiles have now been brought near, can, do you realize how amazing that was to them to be invited to come near to God? This was always part of God's plan. This was not new, but it was, it was something that God planned. Listen to this verse from Isaiah 57, 19, which was a prophecy of, it was about the regathering of the Jews, but also more broadly when the gospel came, the Gentiles being brought near. So it says in Isaiah 57, 19, peace, peace to the far and the near says the Lord, and I will heal him. That is the healing of the gospel. Now, what is the healing medicine? According to verse 13, it is the blood of Christ. They have been brought near by the blood of Christ. If you just listen to our songs this morning, if you listen to the baptism and what the water signifies, it signifies the blood of Christ. John Stott, if you've ever wondered why the blood of Christ is important to reconciliation, why the gospel is the only remedy for reconciliation, listen to these words of John Stott. He says, the blood of Christ signifies his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross by which he reconciled us to God and to each other. All the divisions are healed by the blood of Christ. Isaiah 59.2 said that your sins have made a separation between you and your God. And then Hebrews 9.22 says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. The blood of Christ is the medicine that cures the disease of, div of division. Charles Spurgeon, the 19th century English pastor said, beloved, there is a cure for every spiritual disease in the cross. So how do we make this real in our relationships? Well, one more thing to notice in verse 13, it says, but now, in Christ Jesus, who you, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood 
of Christ, in Christ Jesus. So what is that referring to? The, the phrase, in Christ Jesus, whenever you see that throughout the book of Ephesians, it is talking about our union with Christ, our vital connection with Christ. And so reconciliation is both an event, but it is also a connection to Christ so that we can continue to grow, to change, and be involved in the process of reconciliation. John Stott, again, says this about our union with Christ. He says, in Christ, in Christ Jesus, that phrase signifies the personal union with Christ today through which the reconciliation he achieved is both received and enjoyed. So union with Christ, that means that I am in Christ. That means that I'm reconciled to God God views me as righteous because I am in Christ, because of Christ's righteousness covering me, but also Christ is in me. Christ is inside of us by the power of the Holy Spirit to change us, to, to change us into people of reconciliation, to give us the power in our church and in our culture to be people that are peacemakers and that bring about reconciliation. So the gospel, the gospel is the cure because it does two things. Number one, God has healed our hearts by the blood of Christ. There's that healing. But after our heart is healed, he installs spiritually in our hearts a pacemaker, the presence of Christ, the presence of the Holy Spirit to lead us to reconciliation. So that's the beauty of the gospel. That is what God has done for us. Now, what do we do? What do we do when we leave from here? We know these things. We know that, we know that um, there's a sickness of division from our hearts and in all the people that we know in all of our relationships and in our culture, but there is the healing of the gospel. And I wanna, I wanna turn the corner right now and suggest some application for each one of us. What do we do this week? What can you do this week to live out and to walk in the reconciliation that God has for us? Because all of us have opportunities out in the city, with our family, with our friends. All of us have opportunities. This week, I was so glad I ran across an article, a post, a blog post by a guy by the name of Steve Bong Lee out in California. And here was the title of his post. He called it, Four Tools for the Church in Divisive Days. Four Tools for the Church in Divisive Days. And right now, I'm gonna give you your four tools. These are your handles to take with you to walk in light of this reconciliation of Christ. Four tools, you ready? Here you go, number one, scripture to shape our thinking. In other words, pull back from cable news, pull back from Twitter, pull back from Facebook, pull back from Instagram, and take time to daily read the Bible because what the Bible does is it shapes our minds. It shapes our thinking about people. You have probably noticed how all of the division has just poured into your heart. So what the Bible does is it renews and it shapes our minds. Secondly, number one, scripture. Number two, prayer to shift worries. So scripture shifts our thinking, prayer shifts our worries. Now here's a quote from Steve Lee. He says, whether I'm praying for a vaccine, the election, 
or a ministry initiative, the process, that is the process of praying, listen to these words, this is so good, allows me to exhale the fumes of worry while breathing in the oxygen of God's peace and sovereignty. So number two, prayer to shift our worries. And then thirdly, listen to this one. How's this for walking in our reconciliation? The third one is community to soften our hearts toward the other. Community for the purpose of softening our hearts towards the other. Steve Lee writes this, he says, tangible, local community, like we have here, like you have in your community groups, tangible, local community of a church is a gift in divisive times. As we participate in life with those who are not exactly like us, remember, a church that welcomes all ethnicities and all cultures and all age groups, as we participate in life with those who are not exactly like us, God moves us from typecasting others to seeing them as human beings. That's why reconciliation is best worked out in community and not sort of out there in the, in the media world. And then there's a fourth, scripture, prayer, community to soften hearts towards the other, and finally, generosity, generosity to sift out selfishness from our hearts. And then he says this, Stephen Lee, Steve Lee, he says, when you text encouraging words to a friend, when you check in on an elderly neighbor or give financially to the church or to others, you are becoming more joyful and content in a world of anxiety and stress. Wouldn't it be amazing if all of us did those four things? What, a, what, what great tools they are for the church in divisive days. So as we wrap up, tomorrow I have my six-month checkup with my dermatologist. His name is Dr. Knipe, great, great dermatologist. He's going to do what he always does, going to give me a head-to-toe with his expert diagnosis, he's gonna look for those precancerous growths, and, and then he's gonna go ahead and just, just freeze them off for me. He's my physician, he is my dermatologist. Well, the Bible teaches us in a much greater way that the Lord Jesus Christ is the great physician. He heals our hearts, he heals our division. So here's my question for you. Will you, will you in your marriage and your family, in all of your relationships, will you let the great physician heal you of divisions? Let's pray together. Lord Jesus Christ, our great physician, we praise you that you are the one who has brought us near. We praise you for the magnitude of your reconciliation. Enable us by grace to enjoy the beautiful unity that we have with you and as you have in the Trinity and as we have with one another. A unity and diversity, diversity and unity. Would you work those things, this reconciliation into our hearts and we pray in the name of Jesus, amen.